Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain! And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini! Always so surprised by that. Hello, thank you. Welcome to Top of the Food Chain. I'm your host, Al Mancini, the Kobe beef of the food writing world. And by that I mean I am rare, exotic, and pricey. I drink a lot of beer. I'm extra fatty. And I enjoy being massaged by Japanese women. And honestly, while my government has not yet banned my export, I firmly believe one day they will. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you. You are at Top of the Food Chain here on the Vegas Video Network. We are live. I know we're a couple minutes late, but uh, hopefully you stuck around and you are logged in and you are on the chat line because we're going to be talking about how to make sushi at home. As you can see, we've got some fun stuff in front of us. And we are also going to be talking about how you can eat incredible food at a good price, at a bargain price, and actually help the hungry here in Nevada. So we'll be talking about restaurant week with the founder of Restaurant Week, or at least the woman who is in charge of it, as far as I know. And we'll be doing that in just a few minutes. Again, we're on the Vegas Video Network. You can call us toll-free at 866-966-4599. That's our listener line. If you want to hear your voice on a future, future episode, please feel free. Give us a ring. Live chat line is going on now. And if you want to email us about future questions, um, we've got an email going on. That is food at vegasvideonetwork.com. You can get all of our past episodes here at vegasvideonetwork.com. We are on iTunes. We are on Roku. We are on, we broadcast on KSHP 1400 AM every Friday night, which is a lot of cool fun to do. If you only have an AM radio, that's probably the most fun thing you're going to be doing on your Friday night. So um, definitely check that out. And all of my old stuff is archived. All the top of the food chain are archived on my website, which is almancini.net. Follow me on the Twitter. It's at Almancini Vegas. I've just started doing the Twitter thing, but um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Insulting a lot of my friends. It's, it's been good. So definitely follow me and see where it is that I'm going. Anyway, we'll kick today's show off because we've got a lot to do. Scott, how are you doing? I'm good, brother. I understand you've been a busy little beaver. Oh, man, I'm having a crazy week. Crazy week. Today's been a, well, Today's been a frustrating day. You know, you know I've got that book out, um, Eating Las Vegas, the 50 Essential Restaurants. I do. And that's me and two other restaurant critics who have absolutely nothing in common trying to agree on things. Well, the new edition's coming out, man. And we, um, the first couple of meetings went okay. And today is really where I guess the yelling and screaming finally started between me and one of my co-authors who, well, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, is just a little kind of old and out of touch and a little too addicted to steakhouses. And, and who is that? Um, that would be, well, I'd let you guess. You can follow me on Facebook. You'd know which one I'm shooting most of the jabs at. Um, and that's Mr. John Curtis. Good, good guy, but just a little out of touch by my standards. I don't know. Scott, what do you, how do you feel about steakhouses? He seems obsessed with them. He well, seems to think they're like the most popular type of restaurant in the world. Well, I would say they're probably the most popular here in Vegas because so many pop up. I like them, uh, but I like other kinds of restaurants as well. 
I don't find them to be the most popular type of restaurant. I find them, as I said a few weeks ago, the most boring type of restaurant. But what do you think is the most popular here in Vegas? Well, see, I don't know. I feel that um, that uh, sushi restaurants are just as popular. Every hotel wants to have a sushi restaurant. I think the gourmet burger craze, I mean, is extremely popular. I think those places are as packed as any steakhouse. Now, I think when you're talking about middle-aged conventioneers, who easy. Mr. Curtis may be more in touch with, easy, perhaps. Easy, um, You know, no, it's definitely popular among people on expense accounts. Let's put it that way. But they're <laughs> the mo also the most popular, I think, amongst casinos because they have the highest markup. Uh -huh. And they've got a nice profit margin to them. But, but do most restaurants four wall like Axe do, or are they more of a, a team thing with the, uh, the casinos? Um, most are in some, are some type of partnership that I know of. But you know, that's, there's been a big move towards four walling over the past few years. So it all depends. I mean, a lot of deals have been restructured just over the past few years in popular restaurants. Anyway, so got the frustration level out. It's going to be a fun book. The new edition is going to be just as fun as the last one because we're already screaming and cursing at each other. So um, buy, buy this one that's out now because you'll get to see us scream and curse at each other last year. And then sometime around mid-November, just in time for the holiday season, once you know what to expect, we will be launching the 2012 edition. And I will probably have torn either what remaining hair I have out of my head by then, or I will have torn what little hair John Curtis has out of his head by then. And don't even get me started on Max Jacobson. But um, it's, a, it's a fun process. Nothing like coming up with guys that you can't agree on, agree with anything on, and trying to do a book with them, man. Today's been a frustrating day. But yesterday, yesterday was fun, Scott. Rod Stewart. That's pretty cool. You, you're a Rod Stewart fan? I am. I mean, the guy's an, an icon in music. One of the most distinctive voices in music. Please, that's got to be fun to watch. It was cool. I mean, you know, I was working. I had to cover it. Um, but it was weird. He came out at the pool. And you can see some pictures of this at almancini.net. And only as Rod Stewart can do. I mean, when these other stars kick off their first night, they don't talk to the press. They don't meet the public. They're very nervous. You don't see them until they walk out on stage. Not Rod, man. Rod's been doing this for like 600 years, I think. And he's just. <laughs> he looks he's, good. Yeah, he, he looked good. But he's just cool as a cucumber, man. I mean, an hour and a half before he's set to go on stage. Oh, and he's prompt for everything. Nobody right. else is prompt. Celine goes on, you know, shows up two and a half hours late for press conferences and stuff. But not Rod, man. Rod, exactly when he's supposed to, two hours to the minute before his showtime, he rolls up to the pool at Caesar's Palace in a Rolls Royce, yeah. hops out of the Rolls, gets on a stage in the pool, surrounded by um, synchronized swimmers who lean back and stick their legs up into the air to hot legs while bikini girls toss soccer balls at, around. I mean, it was just totally cool as a cucumber rod. And you know, I spoke to the crowd a little bit, went backstage, and um, went on stage exactly at 7.30. So normally, I tell people be a little late for shows. But if you're going to go see Rod, I would definitely go on time for that one. Did you get a chance to talk to him directly? I did not, no. I've actually never met Rod. He's one of the few um, he's, you know, really well-known rock stars that I haven't had the chance to meet in my life. Let but. me ask you one more question before we get started here. So if you go and you're assigned there by one of your, the magazines that you write for, what are you expected to do? Are you expected to try to talk to him? I mean, how does that work? If, if They'll let you know if you're going to get access to him. Um, and in this case, there was no access. Um, I didn't even realize until the last minute he was going to at least talk to the press. I was covering for ABC News Radio, so I brought a recorder. We taped what he had to say to the, the crowd and the press. And then I, I arranged to go inside and be able to roll 30 seconds of two songs. So I was able to give my affiliate stations a little bit of his first two songs. 
And then, you know, just jotted down the, um, the set list and counted how many people were on stage with him, which kept changing, and how many costume changes he had, and filed a, a radio report last night to go out on that. Did you like the show? It was a good show. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's a hit show. It's not quite, and as far as I'm concerned, among the residencies over there, I'd put it behind Elton John, but ahead of most of the other ones that I've seen in that venue. Cool. So it was good. But anyway, man, we're going to come back. I've been promising this for months, Scott. I mean, how long have I been telling people I'm going to show them how to roll sushi? You home? told me when we first started the show that we would do a sushi show. Yes. So we are going to talk about how to make sushi at home, which is just cool and should impress the hell out of your date or your friends at your dinner party or whatever. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to give you a little quick refresher course in sake. We've done that in the past. And again, we're going to talk restaurant week. But right now, we've got a quick message. This is David Ivey for Pub Crawl. It's funny because this is David. You should, you should, no, you should just leave it on. Hi, I'm David Ivey from Pub Crawl, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. And scene. And we are back on the Vegas Video Network with Top of the Food Chain. I'm Al Mancini. Welcome back. And with me, I want to welcome today Hayes Swope and Yuki Aieto, and these gentlemen are from Sushi Samba, one of the finest sushi restaurants here. You guys mix sushi and South American cuisine. Yeah, for the it's most a part. Japanese, Peruvian, Brazilian. Yeah. So it's really the party of Brazil mixed with the Japanese culture. Very cool. Um, I brought some actually some great treats in the world of sake, and then I'm going to let Yuki go in and actually show you how to do the rolling and yeah, and what, having fun with the fish. What's great is, you know, I like to give people a crash course um, here in the show, and they're gonna, you guys are going to learn a little bit here, but you guys do a sushi and sake class over at Sushi Samba, right? Yeah, it's uh, every other Saturday afternoon. It's a great way to spend Saturday afternoon, get out of the heat. And, uh, basically, it's a five-course tasting menu. I pair some of the best sakes in the world uh, with all different courses. At the end, once we get you nice and uh, buzzed on the sake, we bring out the knives and show you how to roll the sushi and yeah, get and sticky I, with the rice and I, just really have some fun with I've it. I've done this. It's really, really unfair because they get you kind of liquored up on some pretty, pretty damn good sake. And, um, and you, you keep going back for more and more because it's really, really good sake. And then after a few hours, they hand you a knife and fish and rice and water and you make an ass of yourself. And, I have to say, um, Sarah Feldberg, a friend of mine, did a pretty good job during our course, but the rest of us were pretty pathetic. Well, we had fun. We had a great time that day. Yeah, we did have yeah. a good time. And uh, I brought some other sakis for us to taste today to get you started, to get that buzz back before we go into the fish again. Before you put a knife in my <laughs> hands, man. Okay, cool. Well, I want to give people a quick refresher course. There's, there's seven terms that we said in our last show that people should really know when it comes to sake, and if you can understand what these words mean, you, you can read the basic label and kind of impress your friends. So you want to, can you mind running down them? Could we throw them up there, Scott? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, the seven words, the most important word is actually listed number three, ginjo. Uh, ginjo actually refers to a premium level sake. So if you're looking and you're looking on a list and you want to buy a sake, the ginjo is what you want to look for. Uh, Hanjozo and Junmais, Every sake in the world falls into these two categories. It's either a Hanjozo or a Junmai. Every premium sake, like every, a hot sake wouldn't, would Every it? sake. Really? Every single sake, because all that refers to Junmai means it's a pure rice sake. Mm -hmm. Jun is pure, Mai is rice. Hanjozo is a fortified sake. It's actually um, blended with a brewer's alcohol. So the Junmai sake, you have four ingredients. You have water, rice, yeast, and koji. With the Hanjozo sake, you have water, rice, yeast, and koji, and then you also have a uh, brewer's alcohol. It's a neutral spirit. Okay. And they use it to balance the sake. It gives it a much more well-rounded uh, flavor to it. Okay, now once you get um, 
past Aginja, which is your, your premium, which right. means they've milled off at least 40% of the rice. I exactly. And the, then you get to the higher level, which would be the, the Daiginjo. The right? Daiginjo. Uh, dai is, one of the words means big or uh, super. It's basically a big premium is what Daiginjo means. Uh, the Daiginjo refers to the polishing ratio, ratio of the rice. Uh, comes back to the semi-buai, how much of the rice is actually left over after they polish. Okay. So they polish away at least 50% to make daiginjos. Okay. Uh, one of the daiginjos I brought you today is actually, it's uh, Komotsoro, it's from Hiroshima. Hiroshima is known to have the softest water in, throughout Japan, Hiroshima and Niigata. Okay. Uh, this particular sake is known as the emperor's sake, it's not available in Japan. They do not sell it within Japan, it's only for the emperor's consumption and for export to uh, the United States. Okay. So. so let's run through just the last two. Genshu, which I Genshu, always joke is my favorite because it's got... More alcohol to it. Genshu <laughs> is undiluted. Uh, so it's not watered down. Every sake, once it's brewed, comes out around 20% in alcohol. And a lot of times they'll dilute it with water and bring it down to about 15 to 16%. Okay. And then a Nagori, uh, yes. Nagori is an unfiltered or loosely filtered sake. It's a cloudy. So it's still particles of rice in there. It gives a nice little banana type flavors to it, a little bit on the sweeter side, and much more filling as well. Okay, so there's your crash course. You can go take the class, and he will tell you everything you need to know. You'll get little tastes of all of these, and I mean, just, it's an amazing, fun course, and it's great for, you know, we can talk to you, I can talk to you all you want, you can watch me drink these sakis, and I'm going to have a good time with it, but to really taste the differences, go to a course where you have an expert, and you guys have more sake over there than anyone else in Las Vegas, if yeah. not the country, right? We actually have one of the largest premium sake lists, and when I say premium sake lists, in the United States. Uh, it's one of the largest lists. It is the largest list uh, west of the Mississippi. Um, well over 140 bottles on the list right now and constantly growing. Okay, we have a question from the chat room. Scott, what's happening? Yeah, Maya wants to know what the price is for the course you mentioned. Uh, it's $100 per person. Okay, um, so you brought me some sake. We're about to get me cutting up some stuff. Why don't you tell me, why don't you tell me what you're pouring for us? So well, I brought you two sakis. Uh, they're completely different. We have the Dewasakura Oka, which, was, which is from Yamagata, which is a very cold mountain region in the Alps of Japan. Uh, this is a, a Ginjo level sake, and it's a straight Ginjo, so it refers to the Hanjozo, the Hanjozo level sakis, because it is fortified to blend it with a little bit of alcohol uh, to make it a much more well-rounded sake. And who's drinking with me? I'll take a little. Okay. Kanpai. There you go, Kanpai. <laughs> wow, that's a very nice sake. It's just very well balanced. It's kind of great for beginners or educated sake drinkers. Okay. Um, and then you want to use maybe the wine glasses yeah. before the other one? That's okay. You can hand me that bottle. And what are we looking at here for a second sake? So this is a Komotsuru, which is a Sokuko. Which is actually, this is the emperor sake that I was referring to. This is only, it's not sold in Japan anywhere. It's only for export. And they make the rope a little bit hard to get off sometimes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but this is considered the emperor sake because the only people in Japan that can brew it is the imperial family and the emperor himself that can actually drink it. Oh, really? Wow. And then, and of course, then Americans can drink the it. Americans. Right. Scott, another question while we're pouring this. Yeah, Jackie wants to know, how do you sign up for the class? What's the process? Uh, you can call the, the restaurant itself at 702-607-0700, or you can uh, make reservations online. Okay, so this is only for the emperor and Americans. Exactly. Okay, come by. Come by. 
Oh, my poor Japanese friends, you do not know what you're missing with this. This is good. It's fantastic. Is this why Japanese people come <laughs> to America, so they can drink this? Ah, that's a good question. Okay. But well, this is just amazing. Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. We are now going to cut. Well, you're going to watch me make a little bit of sushi. I got to warn you. <laughs> now we'll move these over to here. Um, we're going to watch me make a little bit of sushi. I got to warn you. Don't wear giant rings like this when you're making sushi, okay? The, the rice is very sticky, and it will end up in your rings, and we cannot do that, so. Okay, now that I am totally without my jewels, Yuki, you're gonna be a little cooler with me this time because you just made me look like a fool last time, man. I'll try. Okay. I'll try. <laughs> so here we go. We've got Yuki Aedo, um, master sushi chef. You trained in Japan or here in America? Uh, actually, I was trained in the States. Okay. I was in Japan for like maybe a year. So how hard is it to make sushi at home? Um, it's actually pretty simple. I mean, as long as you have the basic stuff, fish, seaweed, um, rice, I mean, or a rolling mat, you can actually do anything with it. I okay. mean, most people use like uh, plastic to wrap it around the, the mats to make the, for the rolls to be on the outside, right. uh, rice to be on the outside. Mm -hmm. And then today we're actually gonna do um, with the seaweed outside, more traditional. More Which is harder, you tell me. Depending so I'm going to do worse, yeah. Very person. Last time you went, you kind of tra uh, trashed it. <laughs> My rolls were fine. It was the cutting of it that so, I thought was so bad. But yeah, yeah but you were drunk. I, you I were drunk. Bad. And yes, I'd been drinking. Yeah. But you can get these pretty much mm. anywhere. I mean, you get these yeah. in any store. I mean, I've seen them in, you know, whether you Bed Bath & Beyond mean, or wherever you go. I mean, maybe not there, but, you know, general Pottery Barney kind of places, I mean, right? Whole Foods sells it, I believe. Um, anywhere in Chinatown would sell it, especially in Vegas. Um, most of the stores will carry these. Okay. So, I mean, they're only like a dollar for like just the regular ones. Okay. So um, let's start with the rice, because a lot of people don't understand that rice in Japan is often considered the most important part of sushi. And I know a lot of Japanese chefs will train months, maybe years, just learning how to make rice before they're even allowed to get behind the board and cut, right? Yeah, that's true. And then um, rice in Japan, actually rice, you would actually pair something with rice. You know, rice is usually like the main thing. So, um, in like sushi rice, especially sushi rice, most time we actually use something called koshi hikari. It's uh, basically a really like premium type of rice. So if I go into my supermarket, sometimes you will see things that say sh sushi rice. So that's okay. It's a, it's a shorter grain yeah, rice, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a short grain rice. Shorter grain rice. And then how is it prepared? Because I know traditionally sushi rice has vinegar in it, right? Yeah, usually it's prepared with just vinegar, salt, and uh, sugar. That would be the main ingredients. Is there a recipe people you can give people for that? Or would it be on the back of a sushi rice container? Um, if they come to class, we actually have, give out cards that actually have all the recipes and stuff on it. Um, shows them how to make our teriditos. Um, ceviches and stuff like that. Okay, and I'm sure if you go online, you can look up a basic sushi rice <laughs> recipe and find out how to do it. Okay, so we've got our rice. Now, mm -hmm. fish. Mm -hmm. um, where do you go here in Las Vegas or in another town to get fish that is high enough quality to be used in sushi? Well, uh, I mean, if you, can, if you go to like Whole Foods or if you go to like um, some places in China how might carry certain kind of fish like snappers and stuff like that, but they'll actually come in like packages where you can actually use those. Um, salmon, for the most part, if you actually freeze it one time and let it thaw out, you can actually use it to eat raw if you wanted to. You don't necessarily have to cook it. Okay. Yeah. And tuna, would that have to be just fresh? Yeah, tuna has to always be fresh. The older it gets, actually has like this weird, like, tint, grayish tint to it, okay. so where you can actually see it like decaying. So unless it's like bright red, you actually wouldn't want to like mess with it. Okay. So color, and of course, nothing yeah. should smell like fish ever. Exactly. That I mean, getting... it can be fishy. That's fine, but depending, like, um. Say if you start using like yellowtail or tuna, it actually has a lot of histamines in it, which will actually cause you to you know, have a messed up stomach. Okay. 
So you got to be careful on which kind of fish you're actually using. So the safest ones to start with at home would be salmon, which yeah, can salmon, be frozen, and then fresh tuna. Yeah, salmon would be yeah, good. And then, uh, like I said, usually if you're going to get tuna, like a sushi quality tuna, it actually comes in like a little package that actually you, you would right. be able to use. And if you go to a Whole Foods, it'll tell you if it's sushi grade yeah, exactly, or sushi quality. Exactly. And place like that. Did we have another question, Scott? Mm. Uh, yeah, I just saw it come up, something about uh, what's the ratio, sugar to vinegar? Uh, sugar to vinegar. I mean, if depending how you like it, you can actually do like two to one. Like um, you can do two vinegar to one sugar. So I mean, like I said, it depends how sweet you want it. Salt will probably be like a quarter of that. Um, you know, okay. So you can experiment kind of basic, to taste yeah. at home as well. And so we also, of course, brought some basic condiments. What do we have cut up here? These are just some cucumbers. Uh, these are actually Japanese cucumbers. Um, this is kaiwate, like a uh, Japanese daikon sprouts. Daikon sprouts, which look yeah. like little baby clovers, kind of, mm -hmm. to a degree. Don't you see there? <laughs> I always put things in the wrong direction, Scott. Mm -hmm. And then we'll move the bottle, because that makes it easier right. to see things. And then just some avocado, right? Very popular. Yeah, avocado. Um, right. Do people use avocado in Japan, or is that Actually, in Japan, we don't actually use that much avocado. That's <laughs> actually, it's actually like the, uh, in the States, the whole avocado craze came about. Japan, you would rarely ever see an avocado. Right, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little weird. Like a very <clears throat> Japanese ingredient. Also, mm -hmm. the, the rolls <clears throat> that Americans are so crazy about. Mm -hmm. I mean, that seems to be something that was invented here in America, usually by, by yeah. Korean-owned sushi shops tend uh, to go nuts on them most of the time. I don't think no one actually knows who originally created the first roll, but I mean, like, the reason why the rice is on the outside in the States um, is because it's more filling, you know? In right. America, you like, like, you know, big things right. for your buck, right? right. So, I mean, that's how it came about. Yeah, because when I was in Japan, and I was mm. only there for a few days, but I saw lots of nigiri sushi, which yeah. is, you know, your it's basic main. rice with the fish on top. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there was sashimi. But as for rolls, I really only saw basic one-fish rolls, like tuna mm -hmm. and rice inside of the seaweed, and that was it, or yeah, maybe basically. salmon. And most people tended to take that as takeout. You didn't even see that being consumed a lot in I the mean, restaurants. Like in Japan, I mean, depending where you go, like, uh, like I said, the fish and the rice would, like, like the quality of everything would decide the grade. Like you can actually go to like 7-Eleven, you know, you'll find sushi, you know, you'll find rolls. But right. obviously it's going to taste totally different from when you actually go to like a, a good restaurant, you know. Right. Okay, so we've got our mat, we've got our, oh, and nori, mm -hmm. of course, which yes. is seaweed paper. You definitely want to have your nori, which you can buy in even a regular yeah. grocery store. And a little bowl of water, very important, and a super sharp knife. When you were telling me about this knife, I mean, this, if you can hold that knife up and just kind of show people, now, this knife, when you got it originally, you were telling me it was almost twice the width, right? Yeah, it was about, yeah, it was probably about that big. Right, and just over the years from sharpening it and sharpening it, it's mm -hmm. gotten down to, to about half that size. And it's very fragile, right? You say if you drop it, it'll shatter? Well, this one's actually made out of stainless, but the other ones I have, um, I really use them actually nowadays, is they'll rust, and then they'll also, like, if you break it, it'll actually, yeah, it'll break in half. Wow. And then those costs... A lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. So yeah. just people out there, get the sharpest mm. knife you can is, yeah. would be your yeah. advice. With right? those kind of knives, I would not cut like a shrimp temporal with it. <laughs> it's going to crack. It will crack everything. Wow, that's yeah. funny. Um, another question, Scott, before we mm. watch me make a fool of myself. Yeah, K-Jack <laughs> wants to know, how often do they get their fish at the restaurant? And is it true that you should never buy fish on Mondays? No, that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. Yeah, we actually get our, uh, because our business, our restaurant is actually really busy, um, we actually buy it on a daily basis. Okay. So basically, if it runs out, it runs out. It's gone. It's 86. You know? And if we still have it, 
good. You can still eat. And now another myth, <laughs> yeah. another myth out there right now is a lot of people worried about eating sushi mm -hmm. because um, Japanese nuclear problems. Mm -hmm. But the, the fish that you're getting come out of, from a totally different se section of Japan. Yeah, right? for the most part, what we get our fish from, like I usually hand select depending on different provinces in Japan and stuff like that. For the most part, which is weird, is because I actually uh, started choosing most of my stuff down south, like way down south, right. like in the Kyushu area. So because of that, like the radiation hasn't hit that area, and because how like um, the the wind circulation, how it's how it is out there, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't actually push down. So for the most part, what they're saying is that it hasn't been affected at all. They haven't found any kind of problem with fish. Okay, so let's do what we came here to do. I'm going to try to do it quickly, but well. Mm -hmm. We start with our nori, which has a yeah. shiny side and it has a not so shiny side. And um, which one do we put up and which one do we put down? Okay, this time, last time you actually made the rice on the outside, we're actually going to have the seaweed on the outside, the traditional type. Okay. So the shiny side would go down. Go down yeah, when go we're down. doing a traditional roll. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we got our shiny side down, yeah. then we uh, then take the rice. There's actually a jagged side on, I don't know if you can see it, but there, there you go. There's like a, a jagged side on this side, and then there's like a really straight cut on the bottom. You want the jagged side to be facing towards you. Yep, I got that. Ready? I made up my mistake last time. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> show. Okay, so ex show people how we now apply the rice. Okay, usually like um, well, speed would be an issue because like the rice gets sticky the longer you hold it. So uh, basically, what would you do is um, just put your hands in the water, just rub it around a little bit. You'll grab maybe like a, a small, like half of a fistful of rice. Yeah, and you would actually kind of like stretch it aside. Now you don't want to smash it. You just want to kind of drag it across. Okay. And from here, you're just basically matting it out. It's like. And I'm going to be doing this as you do it, because <laughs> I don't want that much attention on me. Okay. Okay. So I get it in one hand, right? Is this enough rice? A little bit. A little bit more. Okay. There you go. Now then I smush it across, now, if right? If you start feeling it to get sticky, just put it down and just add a little bit more water. Okay. Or else it's going to get all over your hands. Oh, yeah, I'm doing a great job compared to what you did there. <laughs> and it gets messy, and do I have enough rice or do I need more on there? Oh, you're fine. Okay. That's why I say speed is so an issue. I, right, yeah. speed is an issue and I am slow. Okay, here's more rice. There you go. Water. You <laughs> a little more water. More water. So it doesn't stick. <clears throat> this is all the fun you can look forward to at home, people. <clears throat> People can laugh at you. <laughs> nice. Okay, there it is. Nice and smooth. I got a nice, happy little thing of rice there. Maybe a little bit more. A little bit more. Okay. <laughs> little you more. told me that was enough. Man. <laughs> uh, but the beauty of this is it doesn't matter how it looks. You can laugh at it. It's still going to taste good. So, Okay, so look. The more I'm, your practice is going to get a lot better. Right. So. so now we just take a little bit of... Fish and put it inside there? Yeah. Uh, you can either have tuna, salmon. Well, we got some tuna already pre-cut. Mm -hmm. You want to show, is there a sp mm. specific way you have to cut the fish or just? Um, when you're doing sushi, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> now, when you're doing sushi, actually there's, um, I don't know if you can actually see this on camera. Um, there's actually grains going through the, the fish. And then what you want to do is actually, you want to kind of make it like an X like an X, so basically you're cutting against the grain. Okay. Yeah, like that. Okay, so that's the cut. Yeah. So now I've got a couple pieces in here, and you can put a couple pieces in yours yeah. and show them how it's done. I add a little bit of um, Japanese cucumber, because that's tasty. Yeah. A little bit of daikon. Mm. 
Okay, and I'm not going like, to go. You don't want to overstuff it. Okay, uh, yeah. too much in there? Yeah, that's fine. that's fine. Okay, so now here's the key, people. Here now is when we have to roll this thing. <laughs> and you show them first how it's okay. done, and then we will watch me do it wrong. <laughs> well, basically what you want to do is you just want to like, uh, grab the end of the mat, just kind of make sure everything's tucked in, and then just fold it inside like that. Fold it under there. Okay. So basically you'll see like a... Uh, a little bit of the seaweed right there, and you're basically tucking it in. From here, you want to lift up and just kind of roll it across. He makes it look easy. Yeah. <laughs> and from here, you're just basically, whatever the bamboo mat looks like is what uh, your roll is going to look like. So you just want to kind of push down. Yeah. Okay, and that looks wonderful. Now we're going to watch me do it. Scott, we can, can we get a camera on me? Watch how I mess this up. Okay, so we roll, 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 roll. Roll, tuck that under, right? Yeah, just leave it up a little bit. Leave it up a little bit. We tuck there, push, squeeze, 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 squeeze. And now like, just keep rolling, right? Yeah, and then just flip it up. Just flip it up and roll. There you go. And now I want to make it look pretty, so we <laughs> press, press it down. And, um, okay, that didn't look so bad. There you go, almost. Looks almost. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If, if these people at home make it look that good, they're going to be happy. They're not going to be waiting for you to tell them that's what they did wrong. So now, the slicing it, how do we slice it? Well, I mean, wait. Okay, from, what did I do wrong? From here, all you have to do is just mold it. Okay. So basically, you just, just kind of, like I said, whatever the rice mat looks like mm -hmm. is what your roll is going to look like. So if you just do that, it's going to look exactly like that. Oh, okay. That's all I had to do was just do that. Okay, now, let's cut, cut it up. How many pieces do you cut a roll like that? Uh, this one would normally be six pieces. Okay. All right. this water. Make sure you want to have water on your knife. Mm -hmm. What you usually do is you would just actually get some water like this and then let the, the water just run down your knife. All right. And once it runs down, you just want to go in the middle I'm going to slice the top a little bit, come down, and that's it. Yeah. Same thing. Just keep on doing it over. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Just come down like that. So basically, you just want to do it in like three strokes. All right. Yeah. Through, down, through. Okay. Let me give it a quick try. And okay. So middle. Right side of the way. And so I go down. No, you push forward first. Uh, forward. Well, I did it wrong. There you okay. go. I still got it. So, okay, forward first. Forward, back, down. There you go. Yeah. No, I did that in two strokes. See, it looks a lot nicer, right, than the last Yeah, time. it looks a lot nicer, <laughs> man. This, this looks good. Scott, get in on these things. These bad boys don't look bad at all. That, well, that one's a little lopsided, but those other five look pretty good. Yeah, I'll turn them, turn them towards you, man. That's, yeah, mine look okay. Okay, I'm going to eat one now. We're going to have a little bit of um, sake. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yuki, I appreciate it. We're going to be back and talk about restaurant week in one second. We're going to go to a break. See you guys in a few minutes. All right. Let me know when I'm live. Hi everybody, this is Bridget Magnus of Getting Real Estate in Vegas, and you are watching the Vegas Video Network. <laughs> so mean, we put, um, we put sushi in front of you. Welcome back to Vegas Video Network, top of the food chain. I'm Al Mancini, and I'm here with Erica Thompson, who cannot eat 
sushi today. Not so. eat sushi today. <laughs> yes, that's another thing. If someone is pregnant, they should not be eating the tuna that's sushi. Correct. But no. but these look good, don't they? They, they look good. They yes. look like I did a good job. Um, I don't know what he was saying. I, I think say. you did a pretty good job. Yeah, I'd eat that in a restaurant. Of course, I go to some cheap restaurants sometimes, but um, <laughs> wouldn't pass mustard probably in sushi samba. But Erica, we're here to talk about restaurant week. Yes. And plenty of good places to get sushi during restaurant week. There are. I mean, there's over 120 restaurants, actually. You can go out and have all types of cuisine. So Italian, your steakhouses, your sushi, yeah. a lot of choices. For those of you who have not tried restaurant week in the past, it, is, it used to be a week. Now it is two weeks where you can go to some of the absolute best restaurants in Las Vegas and you can get special three, sometimes four course meals. Anywhere from $20.11, 11 cents because it's 2011, um, $20.11, $30.11, or $50.11. These are incredible bargains for the places where they are. And the best part is a portion of the money goes to Three Square, which is the largest food bank here in Southern Nevada, probably one of the largest I've ever heard of, and feeds a lot of hungry people every week. And Erica is actually with Three Square. It's got to be great working there. I mean, I, I've been down to your warehouse. You guys just do incredible work. Thank you. Yeah, we are the largest hunger relief organization here in Southern Nevada. Um, we're currently providing food to over 100,000 individuals each month through our program partners. So. Right. And, I mean, it's, it's just absolutely amazing what you do. For a dollar that goes into Three Square, three meals go out three there meals, yeah. to hungry people yep. or people that don't know where their next meal is coming from. So, I mean, that's fantastic. It's, it is. It's great. Mm -hmm. And the restaurants that you have, I mean, you talk about 120 restaurants, but you've got some great places participating. We have some amazing restaurants. I mean, we've had about a 30% increase in restaurants over this year. Um, we have actually about 55 restaurants who have never participated before. We're excited to have the Cosmopolitan on board this year, all their restaurants. I mean, it's the hardest choice is going to be choosing where you're going to go during those two weeks. So at least you have two weeks to do it, though. Yeah, I was going to say, you made it a little easier yeah. for people because yeah. you made it a restaurant weeks instead of restaurant week. Enjoy it, though. This is a one-time thing of doing it two weeks. It's for our fifth anniversary. We wanted to celebrate this milestone, but not to fear. We're actually going to be looking at doing a spring restaurant week in March. So. People might be a little worried, but you'll have a chance in a few more months to enjoy it again. And it starts next Monday, and it runs for two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, if you're a foodie out there, I mean, I have friends who, who plan their vacation. They take a week off from work, and they do lunch and dinner every day because they just get to hit all the restaurants they've always wanted to hit, and they can do it without going bankrupt, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. And you can do breakfast, too. You can do breakfast. Who's doing breakfast uh, this Serendipity year? actually has breakfast, and they have a frozen hot chocolate French toast on their menu, which to me just sounds incredible. Yeah, their frozen hot chocolate is a signature dish over there, so yeah. that's cool. Um, we've got somebody in the audience has a question. Scott. Yeah, what's the criteria to be uh, a restaurant that's included in this? What does somebody have to do? Well, we try to go after um, fine dining establishments. The idea is to drive business into the restaurants and they get to enjoy a great meal at a reduced price. I know you mentioned earlier um, Milo's over at Cosmopolitan. I mean, you're getting an amazing three-course de uh, deal. Um, at a price yeah. unheard of. And yeah. so that's what we're really trying to do. So we try to focus on our high-end restaurants. And you and I have spoken about this in the past, about getting you know other restaurants that have mm -hmm. come to me and asked if they could be involved. And of course, I know you, that they want to get everyone involved, but the idea here has to be, it has to fit into a price point of 20 30 or $50. Yes. Has to be a certain number of courses, and that has to represent a bargain. So if, you ha mm -hmm. if you're in a restaurant where a normal meal would only cost $20, as much as they would love to have you involved, it, it doesn't represent something new to the, the purchaser that they can't get. So we're really talking about places here. I mean, Milos, you mentioned, also Bar Masa. 
Yeah, they have you, if you want to do sushi, yeah. sushi, I mean, Bar Masa used to be probably the single most expensive restaurant in Las Vegas, and now you can go in during this week and get three courses, including either a 10 pieces of sushi or 15 pieces of sashimi, and this is the best sushi and sashimi. I mean, there may be places that are as good, but there is no place that I've known of that gets crazier fish, you know, flown in directly from the Bay of Japan. Sushi Samba also gets incredible fish. I don't want to <laughs> in any way indicate that they do not. Um, but, you know, Bar Masa is just the priciest, probably priciest restaurant in the world, and you can get three courses for $50. And some of the restaurants are adding things to their restaurant week menu that they may not typically serve. So I think it's really going to be more competitive this year. Restaurants are getting really creative on what they're putting on the restaurant week menu. So it's just a great opportunity. Cool. Um, now, for restaurants that do want to get involved the next time around that you do it, where, how would they get in contact with you? Uh, they can actually just send an email to restaurantweek um, at threesquare.org, and they'll be able to connect with myself and Malia, and we'll, we'll get them on board for next year. Cool. And we have another question, Scott. Yeah, Harper Juice, which is now my favorite name on the chat. <laughs> wants to know what is Three Square's uh, financial goal during these two weeks? So our goal this year, we actually are hoping to raise $200,000. So as you mentioned, every dollar we raise is three meals. So if we can hit that goal, that's 600,000 meals that we can provide out to the community. So we're hoping we can hit that. Right. And uh, where are you going to be eating during it? This is what I get asked on my no, Facebook page. Um, Everybody wants to know where I'm going. Well, actually, serendipity, the reason I knew the breakfast menu is because I, I did notice that French toast calling my name. Um, and you know what? I have friends in town coming in for the first time in Vegas, and I told them they couldn't have chose the best week to come. Yeah. But we have a list, and it's going to be a really hard decision, and I might be out every breakfast, lunch, and dinner it is. You <laughs> for should. 14 days. I mean, you, can, you can seriously do it, and you can eat at such incredible yep. places. And you know, I saw there's a lunch at the Eiffel Tower for, yes. I think, $30 yeah. for three courses. I mean, great view, romantic restaurant, three courses for 30 bucks, unheard of. Um, just so many places. And the one thing is, you don't have to go to the Strip. Um, that's, I think, very yeah, important that we yeah. let people know. You've got a lot of incredible off-strip restaurants we that do. are participating. We have uh, Roy's and Summerlin is participating on Flamingo. We've got Todd's Unique Dining. Um, I mean, yeah, we're really excited to have a number of off-strip restaurants this year. So, you know, yeah. t locals are a little nervous about driving down to the Strip. We want you to go out there and support the Strip restaurants, but they definitely can go right down the road to their own community yeah. restaurants. And, I mean, and Roy's is an incredible restaurant. Yes. I just had to dinner there a few weeks ago. They're on my list, actually. I've heard the past several years they have amazing restaurant. They do amazing portions for Restaurant Week. So I think they're on my list this year to go out to. Also, if you have kids and you want to do Restaurant Week, um, Roy's is one of many places I'd recommend because it's very, very child-friendly. They'll actually bring you a little DVD player so the kids keep the kids amused and stuff. So that's great. DW Bistro, another local place. They're on my list too. A great restaurant. I haven't been there yet and you know they're a great supporter of Three Square as is all the restaurants but I think I'm going to try to make it out there this year too. Cool. Um, Scott, another question. Yeah, can you remind everybody what the website is to find a list of all the restaurants? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the website's just helpoutdineoutlv.org and as I mentioned we're at about 130 restaurants right now so it's really exciting. And what about just getting involved to help Three Square because you have an amazing facility up there, kind of by Craig Road, right? I haven't yeah, been up to the office in a long time. That's okay. We're um, off the 15, Craig and Pecos. Um, you can go onto the Three Square website, which is threesquare.org. You can find out about volunteer opportunities if you want to host a food drive. Um, obviously, if you want to make a cash donation. Um, you know, we didn't touch too much on the number of hungry people in Southern Nevada. Unfortunately, it's a little over 300,000 individuals. So we have our work cut out for ourselves. Um, the economy hasn't gotten any better, unfortunately. Unemployment keeps going in the wrong direction. 
So there's a lot of ways that people can really engage in the fight against hunger. And I think it's important. I mean, I, so many chefs I know are involved with Three Square. They love to do restaurant week. They'll be doing dish. You, you know, I'm yep. working with September you a little 22nd. bit on that on September 22nd. And um, people in the food industry and people who are just foodies, those of us who go out and we eat at these world-class restaurants, these amazing places, and eat sushi like I'm eating today, and you know, go to this one, drink these premium sakis. I think we have a responsibility, and the chefs I know feel we have a responsibility, that we eat so well that it's a disgrace that in our own backyard there are so many people who are hungry. And Absolutely. to have the opportunity to go out and dine incredibly well, but have some of that money go to help the hungry people yeah. is great. I mean, we've had an amazing following of chefs. I mean, Chef Rick Moonen, Chef Kim over at Society, Carrie Simon. I mean, we have so many great chefs. We have a beautiful demonstration kitchen at the food bank. And a lot of chefs just come in and they just, you know, are just amazed by it. And they want to come in and do a dish there and do cooking demos and cooking lessons. So it's been really great to have this, the blessing of the culinary community here. And you do another great program that I just want to mention because it's a great volunteer opportunity if anybody out there does want to volunteer. Um, it's the Backpack Lunch Program. Our Backpack for Kids program, yes. Right, Backpack for Kids. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is basically because, especially with school starting, that's what I'm thinking. So we're go kids are going back to school. And, you know, you consider how many kids in Las Vegas are on a school lunch program because they are hungry to some degree. Over 50%. And, over 50% of kids in our schools are in some way getting food from their school. And then Friday rolls around and they've got to make it through the weekend. And what you do is so amazing. Could you explain what, what you do? Yeah, the Backpack for Kids program helps to provide a child a bag of food for the weekend. So it helps to sustain themselves. So when they come back to school on Monday morning, they're coming in with full tummies. They're ready to focus. Because if, you know, if you've ever been hungry yourself, it's hard to focus. It's hard to concentrate. So the Backpack program is you know, a great program, a great way for us to get the food out there. And the reason you call it the Backpack program is because of kind of the fact that it's, it doesn't have to stigmatize a child. It's in a packet that's of such a size that they can go to the school nurse or wherever they it's, get it. It's actually just like a plastic bag that you would get your local grocery store, and we put 11 items in it. And when we wrapped up the school year last year, we were packing over 7,200 bags each week for more than 245 schools. And as you mentioned, school will resume next week, and we resume backpacking on September 6th. And you can go down to the, to the warehouse, which is an amazing thing. I mean, it's almost depressing to see how large your warehouse has to be. But, and people just come out a couple times a week. You can get the information on the website, and you just help fill out these you know, little bags that a kid can then throw in his backpack, take home, and not have to worry about being hungry over the weekend. We've got a question, and then I want to turn to whiskey, because okay. you have got a great whiskey yes. idea for people. Yeah. See, helping, helping people does not have to be a bummer. We're talking whiskey and food, and it's fun. cool. So Scott, <laughs> what's the question? Uh, Nate and Hopper want to know, uh, how did this idea for Restaurant Week get started? So Restaurant Week actually started in 2007, so it is our fifth anniversary. And it was actually a vision of two food and beverage directors at the MGM Grand Hotel. And they had approached our um, CEO at the time, Julie Murray, and said, we have a great idea to bring together the culinary community, the restaurants, together with the food bank to fight hunger. And you know, the first year we started, we had about 40 restaurants, only raised maybe about 20 or $30,000. Here we are five years later, 130 restaurants. We raised 110 last year, so it's just grown, I mean, beyond our wildest belief, and we're really excited about that. Hey, and Restaurant Week has been happening in other cities for decades. Yes. I used to go in New York in the 90s, and that's actually where I ate Rick Moonen's food for the first time at Oceana in New York. I had a lunch there. So before we have to go, I also want to talk, Dish of Las Vegas is coming up. It's one of those food fairs where you go to the pool and all the great chefs are out there and they make you food, and we have a lot of them here in Las Vegas, but we also have an auction coming up. And for my whiskey lovers out there and for my sommelier friends, I want to 
throw up a, a shot of this bottle of whiskey that you guys are going to be auctioning off. This is a Buffalo Trace Millennium Barrel. And what they did was, I guess, the last barrel that rolled into the Buffalo Trace Distillery in 1999, they marked that barrel, and when it reached the 12-year-old point, they said, okay, this was the last barrel of the millennium, and they broke it down into 174 bottles, and they gave them away. They're all signed, numbered. They have a piece of the barrel. Only 174 in existence, and you guys have one. You're going to be auctioning it off. Yeah, it was something I came across on the Internet. They were um, encouraging nonprofits to apply. They were only giving away 174. I thought, heck, you know, we're Las Vegas. We love to drink here. We love to eat. So I put it out there, and lo and behold, we got approved and got the bottle in-house. And we're going to be auctioning off um, the bottle at Dish on September 22nd. Well, I'm definitely going to talk to Hayes about Sushi Samba coming and bidding <laughs> on it. And I want, I mean, all my, all my friends and all my sommelier friends out there, um, it's a great reason to come out and get something rare that your restaurant will not have. Or my friends who just want to have it in their house, that something you can't get in any restaurant here in Las Vegas, come out on the 22nd and bid on that. I want to thank you so much. Well, thanks thank for, you for having me. Thanks for all the work that you do for Three Square. I mean, it's just such a great organization. Restaurant Week people, go out, eat early eat often and just I mean every meal every day phenomenal and they are bargains I'm, I'm telling you they're bargains and they're some of the best restaurants in town so please do that also su sushi and sake classes over at Sushi Samba if you want to make a fool of yourself like I did today and drink incredible um, sake like I did today go over to Sushi Samba man it is the place to do it their, their sake collection honestly unparalleled 140 different types you will never be in a place that has that level of sake so um, definitely check them out. In the meantime, you, can, you guys can follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, Al Mancini Vegas, and make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Eating Las Vegas, The 50 Essential Restaurants. You're really going to want to get this one because the fighting has just started on the next one. So this will warm you up for what's going to happen on the next one. And um, what else do I have to tell people? What else do we have going on? Next week, I think we're going to be talking chili peppers and give you an introduction to chili peppers. So tune in. Thanks a lot, everybody.